Second Timothy chapter four. A while back, I was just thinking as I was, you know, looking at the news or listening to the news a lot, and you know, you reflect on the world and things that are happening around us. And in my mind, all I can think is, man, this world is backwards. Things are just backwards in the world that we live in. And uh, Brother David had uh, mentioned how we live in a dark world today. And we see things like abortion or assisted suicide that are acceptable. Um, You see a push for animal rights or protection for nature, but we don't see protection for an unborn child. You know, that's backwards. Or you see the religious acceptance um, all around us and the flyers and celebrations and being politically correct, but when it comes to Christianity, you know, it's almost we're lashed out at. You know, we're not allowed to pray um, in schools or you hear about kids getting in trouble for taking a Bible to school or hassled at different times of the years for different holidays that we celebrate. Or we just see the... You see things like the pride parades and the and the, the 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 things that people are making a statement about in the world, and yet still, when we try to make a stand, the same thing happens. Or I find it amazing when you hear of stories of um, people who will ask a well-known Christian, you, for example, like the president of Chick Fil A, well, what are your beliefs? And then they know very well what their beliefs are, but as soon as they hear the answer come out of their mouth, they're uh, criticized for it. You know, we're the ones being approached and attacked for our stand. And we see things like kids today, they're allowed, the things that they're allowed to do, the things they're allowed to watch, the things they're allowed to listen. And I remember, I remember as a kid being in public school and having assemblies and people getting up and saying, you know what, it's wrong to smoke, it's wrong to drink, it's wrong to do drugs. But today we see it totally different where it's just like, you know what, we expect kids to do these things. It's just what we expect to happen. But yet still, if we bring up children in church and teach them morals and we teach them the Bible and we try to bring kids in on the bus, we're, we're attacked and we're saying we're brainwashing our kids. We're forcing them into a life they should be able to choose. But we very well know that uh, the world is blinded. In 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 it says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And I, I kind of mentioned this morning about the theory of evolution and uh, how it's being taught in our public schools as fact. And they're being taught that this world is evolving and yet still we see the the pull of sin and the downward spiral, this rapid downward spiral that the world is falling into. We see uh, this thing's getting worse. We see health problems getting worse. We see immorality getting worse. You know, it's common to see murders. We see the ongoing uh, drug use and how it's just so accepted and how they have, you know, injection sites and cops just, it's such an epidemic that cops are carrying these overdose kits on them now. And there's just such a, the morality in this world is just worsening. And, you know, there's no right or wrong, and morality is becoming relative. You know, well, who's to say what I say is right is what you say is right? And, you know, it's just such a change in the world, and I feel like things are so backwards in the world today. 
And we no longer live in a day where it's normal for a family to go to church on Sunday, but rather we're under this microscope of the world, I feel like, and quick to be judged for our stand as Christians. But in our passage this, uh, this evening, I want you to read, if you're there already, uh, in Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy 4, verses 1 to 7. The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of, of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. And here we see that Paul is at the end of his life, and he's writing to his young preacher boy, Timothy, and he calls him his own son in the faith. And here he's charging him to remain faithful. The word of God is not popular among unbelievers. And he's saying to Timothy, you know, you need to take a stand when times are easy or difficult. And today I uh, titled my message from the uh, from verse number two, when Paul says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. And today I feel like Christianity is out of season in the world's eyes. But yet still, we are to remain faithful. The word of God is not popular among unbelievers, but rather it's a topic of debate and criticism. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you go back a little bit, uh, in verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now with Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. You know, as he lists these things, do any of these sound familiar? And in that passage, we read about Janus and Jamris. And these were literally opponents of the truth. They were Pharaoh's magicians that we read about in Exodus. Uh, They were the ones that were mimicking the miracles of Moses. And they were there to discredit the power and truth of God, just as the world is doing everything in their power to discredit the truth today. And, you know, we understand that the world will resist the truth. You know, we're not really surprised and we will face resistance as Christians. But Paul, in verse 3 of the passage that we read in chapter 4, it says, they will not endure sound doctrine. Who, Who's they? Who's the they that he's talking about? And we see that perilous days have come, as Paul has referred to, and we can clearly see 
a turning away of the world, but we also see a turning away of Christians from the truth. In second, uh, in verse four, it says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Here we see they who have already heard the truth, referring to believers, those who have heard the truth already and who will turn to fables. Um, in first Timothy chapter one, verses three and four, it says, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. And Paul's saying, you know, Paul felt led to go to Macedonia, and he left Timothy there to oversee that church and take care of the people there that they would not teach other doctrines. And in verse number four of that, passage he uses the word ministers questions and that literally means disputings questions of mere controversies or inquiries which cannot possibly have any bearing on practical life and the passage talks about fables basically what he's referring to when he says fables is man's thoughts and words Um, in that passage or in that day many of the rabbis the jewish rabbis would have their opinions and they would give it and it would be taken as truth. Or you could think of today the Pope. The Pope has his opinions and when he gives the word, Catholics take it as truth. Or just in general, man's opinions are often taken as truth. And he talks about endless genealogies. Essentially, things not concerning doctrines that would cause strife among believers, which goes against what we're, our theme is this year, unity of the fellowship. In Titus 3.9, it says, But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 22-23, it says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they that do uh, gender strives, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. And then also in um, 1 Timothy 4, where he talks about uh, which minister questions, he says, rather than godly edifying, which is in the faith. Basically saying in the end times, you're going to see people that are going to cause strife. And they're going to have these issues that don't uh, pertain to doctrine. And he says, rather than godly edifying, which we're supposed to do in faith, which basically means the promotion of growth in Christian character, building up one in faith, not casting doubt, causing someone to lose faith. You know, if you're doing, um, if you're bringing things up without what it refers to in Second um, Timothy, where it says we need to be a certain, and the servant of the Lord must strive, not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, teaching, building someone up in their faith and not causing doubt. And that's what Paul's here saying. Within the church, we know what the world is doing, but within the church in the last days, these are the type of things that are going to happen. And here we see, as I mentioned before, Timothy was with Paul in Ephesus helping in the church, and Paul felt the need to go to Macedonia, and he left Timothy to make sure that things would continue to go well. 
to charge some not to teach false doctrines and some not to give heed to fables or untruth. And he left Timothy to make sure that the believers in the church of Ephesus didn't turn their ears from truth, just as we read here in our passage today. So not only do we see that the world has turned from truth, but in the last days we see that believers are turning away from truth as well. So today I want to look at being an out-of-season Christian. Today, we all need to be an out-of-season Christian. And first of all, I want you to notice, to be an out-of-season Christian, we need to keep in season. Basically, we need to remain faithful as you were in season. Paul says, be instant in season and out-of-season. He's telling Timothy, you know what, you need to keep preaching in the tough times the same as you were preaching in the easy times. You know, we need to keep faithful in the tough times, just as we kept faithful in the easy times. We need to be urgent and fervent in serving, whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Whether we feel like it or not, whether there's obstacles or not, Paul is telling Timothy, you need to be instant, in season and out of season. You know, maybe one time in your life, you just it was easy to come by because you had all those around you going to church. Maybe you had family and friends coming to church, children, relatives, your spouse, friends. You had support. It was easy to remain faithful. It was easy to come to church. It was easy to read your Bible at home. It was easy to pray at work if you had friends there. It was easy to give gospel message to those around you. You know, I've, I was there. I had family that used to come to church. I had relatives that used to come to church. I had friends that used to go to church. And you know what? It makes it easy to remain faithful when those around you are faithful to God. But maybe those people aren't coming anymore. Maybe you don't have your relatives or your children or your spouse or friends coming anymore. And it's harder to be faithful to church. It's harder to read your Bible at home. It's harder to pray around your friends. It's harder to give that gospel message at work. It's out of season, but yet still we need to remain faithful in what we do. You know, everyone around you may be backing away, but we still need to stand firm. And even as the world opposes us more than it ever did, everything is working against the word of God, but we need to remain faithful. You know, it's difficult to serve God in today's world. It's difficult to share a gospel witness to those in the world. It's very easily rejected. It's not as open as it used to be. You know, it's not popular to preach the word today, but yet still, in the out of season in the world that we're living in today, we need to remain faithful. We need to keep serving as when it was in season. So we need to keep in season, but second, I want you to notice we need to keep standing. Keep standing. Paul says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's in verse 3. We need to keep standing for truth. We need to endure sound doctrine. We know the world will not endure sound doctrine. You know, it goes contrary to what they want to hear and what they want to believe. And they want nothing to do with it. And they're going to do everything they can to oppose it. Just like I mentioned about uh, in, in uh, chapter 3 about Janus and Jamrus who withstood Moses, the magicians who were imitating Moses in Exodus. You know, the world will try to convince people otherwise, saying, you know, what they have, what Christians have, is no better than what we can offer. 
Do you know that there's a church out there that is for people that don't want to go to church? It's called the Sunday Assembly, and they like the idea of the family format of church and the fellowship. And they literally, it's called the Church for the Godless. They have potlucks. They try to have the same feel as church. They try to have uh, music. And I went to their website, and this is some of the things they had under their statement. And this is uh, word for word. It says, um, the Sunday assembly is 100% celebration of life. We are born from nothing and go to nothing. Let's enjoy it together. Sunday assembly has no doctrine. We have no set text, so we can make use of wisdom from all sources. Sunday assembly has no deity. We don't do supernatural, but we also won't tell you if you're wrong if you do. Sunday assembly is radically inclusive. Everyone is welcome regardless of their belief. This is a place of love that is open and accepting. At Sunday assembly, we won't tell you how to live, but we will try to help you do it as well as you can. You know, the world will try to mimic what we have. And they're going to say, you know what, they don't really have anything to offer to you, but as Christians, we need to take that stand. And we see that the the world rejects truth, but as a Christian, we still need to safeguard our mind and stand for sound doctrine. For the truth, we need to stand for the truth and not what we want to hear. In uh, uh, verse 3 of our passage, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust." shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So I'm just going to break down verse 3 for you. It says there, after their own lust shall they heap, down, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So the, 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 the sentence or the, the phrase, after their own lust, you know, people naturally want to satisfy their own lust. They don't want to conform to the word of God, but rather they want to seek their own ways. And that's why Paul refers to lovers of their own selves or lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It's all about me first. You know, we live in a very me first society and it's creeping into the church and into the mindset of Christians today, especially young Christians. You know, I need to be catered to. I need everything to be my way. I need everything to be the way I want it to be. And we see this mass exodus of Christians from the church because it's all about me first, not what God wants. And then we see the phrase, heap to themselves teachers. And because they want to satisfy their own lust, they will find people who will agree to that. You know, rather than correct themselves according to the word of God, they find teachers who will agree with them and give them justification. You know, they'll find multiple teachers. They don't want to seem like they're doing wrong. So they, to justify themselves, they're going to find enough people or teachers to convince themselves and others that they are right or justified. You know, it's lonely standing out on a limb by yourself. So these people will try to draw others with them. You know, people will try to convince other people of leaving or to decide with them and saying, you know what, this is what I want to hear. And they they don't want to stand up by themselves. They want to justify it in their lives. And that's why as Christians, we need to stand firm on the word or we will find ourselves vulnerable to those trying to heap themselves teachers. So people will heap to themselves teachers. 
And then next we see uh, in the verse that they will have itching ears, having itching ears. And this is the idea of an itch that wants to be satisfied. You ever have that itch in your back and you're just trying to, I just need to get that itch. You know, it needs to be satisfied. And when you have an itch, what do you do? You scratch it, you satisfy it. It's what the itch wants. You just scratch it and it feels good. It's what you wanted to feel. So speaking of itching ears, Paul's speaking of someone who isn't satisfied. They want to hear something that satisfies. You know, what they want is contrary to the word of God, so they go elsewhere. Instead of enduring sound doctrine, standing on the sure word, they go somewhere else to have their itch satisfied, to hear something or hear someone else who agrees with what they believe. You know, I saw it a lot when I was at Faith, when I was ushering, I'd be standing at the back and, you know, people would come in and they would wait for a few minutes during the preaching, hear what's about, and then you'd see people walk out. It wasn't what they wanted to hear. They didn't like what they heard. It didn't feel good to them. They don't want the conviction. And that's why you see many of these mega churches who have these flowery messages. There's no conviction. And people will seek that. People will seek what they want to hear. They find people who teach whatever they want to believe. Um, They will seek what they want to hear. And Christian, today we need to keep standing for the truth. We think it's a place we will never be in, and that's the most dangerous thing when you think that you're safe. But we need to safeguard ourselves, or we will find ourselves walking away from the truth. You know, I have a growing list of people and friends that I once looked up to, that I once grew in the Lord with, that no longer endure sound doctrine. You know, I find them that they're heaping teachers satisfying their own lust, trying to find those people that will satisfy their own lust, that will feel good to what they want to hear. And if we stop looking to the sound doctrine of the word of God, and we don't measure our lives with it, we'll find ourselves going somewhere else to have our ears itch, to, to hear that, you know, and Paul mentioned it in Acts when he went to Athens, they, they wanted to hear a new thing. And people get tired of what they're hearing because they don't like the conviction. So in the out of season, as Christians, we need to keep standing for the truth of the word of God. And third, I want you to notice we need to keep serving. We need to keep serving. In verse 5, it says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. In the out of season, as Christians, we need to continue serving. That phrase, it says, watch thou in all things. And that means to be vigilant, on guard, and watchful. We need to be vigilant against error. Like I mentioned about standing for truth. We need to be vigilant against sin. We need to be faithful in in performing of duty. You know, if we're not vigilant, we can find ourselves looking out for our interests rather than what we should be doing. Wanting our own lust fulfilled rather than serving the Lord and serving in the church we will have the wrong focus. We'll have that mentality of the me first of what can the church do for me? What isn't the church doing for me? Or where else can I go to entertain my own lust? We need to be vigilant and keep serving. We also see we need to endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. Let no suffering scare you. You know, don't let them abandon the truth. 
The world today is opposing us strongly. And believers are turning from the truth and trying to make you feel in the wrong. You know, we'll feel it from the world. We'll feel it from other believers who are turning from the truth. And we need to endure afflictions, even when it's difficult, even when you're witnessing the people and you're being rejected, or even when you have so-called other Christian believers who are telling you, you know what, that what you're doing is wrong. You shouldn't even go to that church. You should come to this church where they do this and they do that. We need to endure afflictions because we are going to face that in the outer season. We also see we need to do the work of an evangelist. We need to preach Christ crucified for the sins of the world. We need to preach glad tidings of peace and salvation by Christ. And we need to preach the hope of Jesus Christ in a world full of hopelessness. You know, I was touched by the, the youth conference when they spoke about the hope of Jesus Christ. And there's so much people without hope in the world today. Uh, we were talking at lunch today and just about how within the area, or I'm sure the statistics are the same across Canada, but within young people today, there is such a high depression rate. There's such a, um, a higher suicide rate amongst young people. You know, children under their, not even their teens yet, taking their own life because they feel they don't have hope. Teenagers taking their own life because they feel like they don't have hope. People in the world that feel like they don't have hope. You know, I work with people who feel like they don't have hope. You know, things are happening to them. They don't know how to get out, and they're in that rut. But we need to be preaching the hope of Jesus Christ in a world full of hopelessness. And there's also the praise, make full proof of thy ministry. Take all opportunities of making known the pure gospel. You know, do all your duties as a Christian with all diligence and care. You know, as the spring uh, continues and we start to ramp up in our outreach program. You know, be involved in that. Make full proof of thy ministry. Take opportunities to serve in the church and to reach the community. Or throughout the week, as you're in work, you're at the store, being a witness, being a good testimony for Jesus Christ with all diligence and care. Do it all with pure heart and motives. Don't do it out of a a feel that you're forced to do it, but do it out of a pure heart and with pure motives of wanting to glorify God and to bring glory to Him. Give no one reason to doubt your sincerity and give no one reason to call you a hypocrite and use it to justify them turning from truth. So how are you doing today in the out of season? Are you serving as you always have? Or are you backing away from the truth to fulfill your own lust? You know, as Christians today, I encourage you to endure sound doctrine, to be under the preaching of God's word, to be in the word of God throughout the week, studying it. Know what the word of God says. And in the out of season, don't let it discourage you. As I said before, as I was just reflecting on the world and where it is, that could be discouraging when you look out and see what's going on in the world. And you look out and you see the numbers and the people and you're, you don't know how to reach them. And you don't know how to approach people because you don't know what's going to happen. But be encouraged. Just as Paul told Timothy, be instant in season and out of season today. And maybe you're here today and you don't know the truth. You don't know about your eternal destination. Maybe you're one of those people without hope. 
in this world. But we know a God that can give you hope today, and we can show you from the Word of God how you can know that you have hope in Jesus Christ and you have an eternity in heaven one day. Let's pray this evening.